Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So tonight I'm going to be talking a lot more about those kind of things. Um, I'm talking about planted, not buried. Why do I say this? When you look at gas prices, empty shelves at the store, long lines at the bank. I mean, everywhere you go, there's tension, there's pressure. People are looking to the government. It's like when you actually go to look at where people's thoughts and minds are, they are so deep in layers, custody battles, uh, um, I mean, Rovi Wade just got overturned, and all the things that's going on there's that you find even in, in the church, you're still coming to church because that's what you've been taught to do, but you really don't know how it applies. And therefore, what it feels like is you're not flourishing, you're just buried underneath all these things and hoping that maybe God will show up down there. Maybe you need your own resurrection of some sort. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your extended house. I'm, I'm talking to specific individuals because when I was getting ready with this, it was, it was cooking on my heart for a, a long time. And there may even be some of the people that have seen it happen. My family is going through something challenging right now. But we were just talking and just declaring the greatness and the goodness of God, of how faithful he has been. That in the moments when we thought we were buried, actually God had planted us. Because when you're buried, nobody else sees you but God. When you're buried, nobody understands what is going on. Did you know that the ground you're standing on, the ground that we eat the food from, is actually wired to destroy whatever seed is put in it? If you put a piece of wood in the ground, what happens? It rolls. If you put a seed in the ground, what happens? Whatever is on the inside of that seed has to get exposed. And that's why I think maybe this is a great moment to reveal the actual church of God. Why do I say this? Let's take you back a little bit through, through the Bible, beginning even with Moses. He's in Egypt. He doesn't realize he's planted there. He knows how to worship all the idols, knows their routines, knows all the sculpturing of these golden things that they've had, knows the pyramids, knows everything. And God meets him on the backside of the mountain. And Moses immediately could tell the difference between the voice of God because all of the other gods never spoke. They were spoken for. And he's asking, wait a minute, who, who is this that speaks all of other gods are spoken for. And God is able to tell Moses, I am. Let's go to Abraham. Abraham is buried the same way into this mountain of, of, of all kinds of gods. Because in their time, <laughs> for God to bless you, you did something. When you wanted to go to war and win, you had to go sacrifice something. God is still sending this message of hope, even though man has gone, has been buried so deep in his circumstances that life is still cha- 
changing. Now, these are nations and these are people that didn't know God at all, but God's faithfulness is still being demonstrated through his grace and through his love towards the people that did not know him at all. He knew them. And if you jump a little further into the New Testament, I love the epistles because these are letters to the church. So Paul is measuring and talking to people in the church. Here's something surprising. Why? There's a verse that says, I hear there's fornication among you that's never been heard of in the rest of the world. <laughs> this is in Corinthians. He's talking to people in the church, right? What happened? Seems like we're going through the same issues, the same ideologies that God is dealing with from the beginning. In Egypt, they sacrificed humans, babies, whatever, whatever was possible. Paul is still dealing with human sacrifice, even to the people eating what was sacrificed unto God in the book of Corinthians. So what I'm saying here is, is, is maybe this, the season you're in is actually meant to expose the God that you know. Jesus dealt with such a, a, a religious spirit that when he showed up, he ended up having to clarify what he said all through the Old Testament. Here's a good example. He meets the Pharisees, and they're trying to teach him the law. They're like Moses said. We should not commit adultery. Long story short, he says, you heard it that way. But I know if you even instantly look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. And here's what Jesus is pointing out. It was the mind. It was the human mind that was not changing. That if when Jesus comes on the scene, his first op opponents that were against his ministry were religious people, were people who thought they knew the word of God inside and out. And it's something so interesting that I've, I've enjoyed. Jesus dealt with religious leaders of the day and the darkness hovering over the people by preaching and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. You see, uh, the interesting time that we're in right now would, would tell you that if you're Reformed, you're a much better believer. If you were a Catholic, maybe if you're a Protestant, maybe if you were whatever, Presbyterian. All these things that we talk about is people trying to find God. And guess what happens? All religions create sects, belief systems, rituals, customs. Each religion believes they have the answer, and therefore the competition begins. Where are you going to find your answer? And every single day you're reminded how buried deep you are. David, I've been abused. David, I'm in so much debt. Nothing has changed. I've gone to church all my life. I had Miles Monroe say this quote, and I wrote it down. I want to read it to you. Protestants are Catholics in exile. Anglicans are Catholics who believe in polygamy. Episcopalians are Catholics in the West. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it caught my attention because maybe what you have as your bedrock may actually be a religion. And that's why you feel buried, not planted. 
Because wherever there was darkness from Genesis 1, God spoke a word and the darkness disappeared. Just, just for a thought, maybe some of us are just Protestants. Maybe some of us are really Anglicans. <laughs> In our worship, we just have so many idols. What do I mean by this? The source of your ideas forms your philosophy, which, turns, which informs your theology and impacts your life. I'll put it this way. The source of your ideas forms the, the perspective in which you see things. It informs your theology of how you know Christ, and it impacts your life. What am I trying to say here? Is when you know God, the domain that governs the principles of your life is godly principles. You have the lordship of Christ, and you are a, a citizen, not a subject. If you notice, every religion is famous for membership. Jesus comes on the scene, he says, I don't need members. I need new creations. I need born-again folks. I don't need subjects. I need citizens of the kingdom. When Rome was about to go conquer other, other states and countries, they would send out their greatest and smartest person that would represent Rome so well that whatever land they conquered, you became Roman just because they conquered you. You behaved like them, you spoke like them, you acted like them. This is the first time in the evolution of empires that we see a kingdom that knows to come to the pressure points of a country or a state and take it over without shedding much blood of, of the people in that state. They ruled an entire world at some point. These are kingdom principles being borrowed here. Jesus comes who understands the kingdom of heaven. It's in his life, it's in his blood, it's in his system, and he comes to a world that doesn't understand him and begins to sow seed to change their world. He changes that so much so that he calls us ambassadors. You are my ambassadors. He says, you are aliens. You don't belong here. You are not of this kingdom. So the question is, why should I carry the weight of this kingdom that I don't belong to? Why shouldn't I be carrying the glory of the kingdom that I come from? Maybe the purpose that I'm here is because I have been planted to be fruitful. You see, God has, has this idea of where he just looks for one. Like I said, he looked for Moses. Looked for Noah. Found Abraham. He just needed one person because he tells Abraham, I'll make you a father of nations. What is he really telling Abraham? You are my seed. I'm not going to make you produce what I have not put in you. So when Abraham is encountering Sodom and Gomorrah, guess what is he he's feeling in his life? I have the potential to take care of Sodom and Gomorrah. When he's about to go sacrifice his son, what, what is he thinking? 
God has given me the ability that even in this, I'll give him glory. And maybe for a moment there, I know I, I'm talking really fast here, but maybe there's some of you in this room, by the time you leave tonight, you'll be shouting because something in your life is going to change. I hope a switch just flips and you begin to see what you've been thinking as less opportunity as God exposing that sometimes you're going to stay underneath the ground because you need to. When they bury you, they put you five feet under. When they plant you, depending on what kind of seed you are, you will stay under. But when you're buried they'll put a concrete stone on top of you. When you're planted, they'll be expecting a harvest. You see, that's one thing that the enemy likes to use against believers, is once you're buried, it's over. Once you're planted, you're going to feel like you're buried. I could go asking each one of you a testimony here that's a believer in this room. You've, you've had some great days, you've had some bad days. Some of you are in it right now. Priscilla Shire would say there's three kinds of people. The one about to go through something, the ones in the middle of something, the ones coming out of something. The testimony of Christ's faithfulness is still the same. Why does Jesus come on the scene and he's dealing with the dark world, preaching this message of the kingdom? Matthew chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what I'm about to say. Repent means change the way you think. And we're in a season and time when the people that have have heard some hurts through, through some places they have been. David, does God heal anymore? David, does God change lives anymore? Pastor said this morning, somebody said, I have forgiven and forgiven. Nothing is changing. Is, is the word of God still effective in my life today? David, can I, how much patience can I have? My marriage is, is falling apart. How much faith can I have? And these are the challenging parts. What you see studying, change the way you're thinking. I grew up in a kingdom. Therefore, the king owns everything. In other words, me receiving something from the king that owns everything is not really an issue of can I get it? It's can I access the king? I'll say that again. I grew up in the kingdom. <laughs> the king owns everything in my hometown. So the issue is not can I? <laughs> it's can I get into the king's sight?
And those are the in-seated depth questions that are sitting given in the people then. Rome had had Jerusalem cornered and they are suffering. There's a lot of taxes. There's people living on the streets. There's blind. There's sick people. There's, I mean, people waiting on pools because of this crazy world going on. Everybody is, is feeling buried. That even the promise of the Savior had started to fade away from some. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Now John was put in prison. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It sounds like Jesus is emphasizing a message of not just rulership, but ownership. He wants to remind you in to remind the nation of Israel where they belong. The, the feeling of being buried is actually not the king's idea. That's what your mind has allowed you to experience and encounter. The king's idea is that you change the way you're thinking. You know, when your spirit got saved, you got renewed, you got made new. Your mind, however, is still being renewed. I had a friend who always asked me this question. Why does the flesh have to pay the price? And then I said, it's not really the flesh paying the price. It's like pastor said this morning, you're already sick in the mind. You were sick when he came. And that's why Paul says, Renew your mind. Out of the heart, as the, as the man thinketh in his heart, so he is. I'll take you to an, another verse. Matthew 10, 7 to 8. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. <laughs> now, if there's a solution to any darkness in our world, what is it? The message of the gospel. The moment you believe you're buried, you've denied the power of the gospel. The moment you believe you're planted, the word of God begins to renew in you like a well springing of water. It's important and it's a the foundation of why the church is still standing. It's the foundation why the most powerful empire, like the Roman Empire, could attack a nation and destroy a nation, but could not destroy a message. That when you go into the epistles, Paul is still sharing the same message to the same kingdom, to the same church that had the same struggles like the pagan world did. And Paul is, is, is reminding them, you have been made new. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You have been accepted into the beloved. You've been accepted into Christ. You've been accepted. In other words, you, you know in the kingdom of God, healing is free. It's not can you get healed. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> it's not, can you cleanse lepers? No. It's not, can you raise the dead? No. It's not, can you cast out devils? No. It's, will you? Because when we encounter difficulty, oh man, instead of checking our heart, we are very quick to check God's. You see, when you're still buried, you don't know you're being purified. You don't know what's on the inside is supposed to come out. So if, even when you realize or are trying to transition from being buried to being planted, the struggle is always you end up asking God questions that you should really be intending for yourself. I remember there was a time I was, uh, I was in Texas and we were doing this uh, government project missions and so we'd go from house to house. And I didn't know what, uh, what a 40 looked like. I didn't know anything. I was just a, a missionary who loved to go minister to people in the project. And so we see this group in a, in a circle. I was with the lead pastor, so this, they were in, 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 in a circle with bags, you know, those brown bags. With, everybody had one. So I'm thinking, fast food. Um, and there was like uh, conversations going on that I, I couldn't smell, didn't even know what it smelled like. And the pastor too didn't know what, what it was. So we go and just join the circle. And we're like, we're here to share Christ with you. How are you guys doing? How can we pray for you? And they all look at us like, um, uh, we didn't know what was going on. So one leaves, another one leaves. And so three stay. And one of them says, if I hadn't seen you at the church when I visited, you just crossed a drug deal. We were about to shoot you. Had I known it was a drug deal, <laughs> well, this day wouldn't be possible. I would be preaching from the glories of heaven. Why am I sharing this with you? That wasn't the, comfortable, the most comfortable spot for me to be. Actually, the pastor was pulling me along. He was a crazy guy. We would go and walk the project all Saturday afternoon when all my friends are out having fun playing tennis. He wanted me right there. I remember one of the guys in the circle had like an issue with his knee and this the pastor had such discernment and, and, and then he says, I can, I can tell your knee must be hurting really bad because you're, you're leaning. And then, like I said, yeah, I got a football injury and that's how I lost my career. Everything I've been going on has been this and that. Like he, he described a buried state. Like now my life has been resorted to this because of the injury I got in my career. And as you know, when you pay attention, you learn a lot of things. This pastor did not listen to how deep he was buried. He just saw an opportunity for God to shine his light. He didn't even say a prayer. He says, could you move that knee for me? This guy's like, and you could see like this whole facial thing begin to change. It's like, 
what? And he starts to run. He calls all his friends back <laughs> because they all knew what had just happened. And from that time, we started a bus ministry going to the government projects every weekend. I remember the team kept growing, kept growing. And these are places where nobody wanted to be. I can tell you, wherever there's darkness, the most light you're ever going to take in there is the gospel. Sickness is darkness. Poverty is darkness. I can tell you I grew up in, in a very poor place. I contemplated showing you a picture of where I grew up, but I don't want to make it about me. The mentality of most is God wanted us this way, or else he could have made it better. And I remember my first time in America, I was like, nah, <laughs> this has to do with how I'm thinking. This has to do with how the word of God has become life into my own life. This has got to do with how my eyes are open. I'll show you a verse where it's so interesting how God deals with some unbelief and deals with why he doesn't explain things to everybody, but he gives everybody the same information. The idea of the kingdom of God is really seed, but the effect of it is, is, is based upon how, how you're willing to let go of the things you've always thought. Matthew chapter 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Here's why he's explaining that. And you can read the other chapter when you get a chance. In Matthew 13, 15, he explains what, he's, what he just said before he does. He says, for the hearts of these people have grown dull and their eyes they have closed. It's not him who closed their eyes. It's they who closed their eyes. And that's why now you find a whole sect of people, a whole sect of religions, one against the other. The competition is who will make your life more comfortable? The one who believes there's no miracles? The one who believes... You can marry as many wives as you want. It's still a bondage. Where is it? It's in the mind. Where do I want to take the least of my troubles to? And that's why it's so int interesting. In Matthew 13, 23, Jesus goes on to say, By he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word of God, understands it, and bears fruit and, and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Here's the main point for this one. The seed is a message, and the soil is your, is your, is your mind. The kingdom is the main subject throughout Scripture and provides the foundation for understanding motivation and purposes. If your concepts are man-made, how are you going to understand God the King? How are you going to understand worship in the middle of, a, of the mess you're going through if you don't know God the King? 
How much, how, how are you going to overcome the temptation in your life if you don't know God the King? 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Colossians 1.13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. There's, there's a common theme here. If Jesus was the picture of a man who was totally engulfed in the message of God and nothing could overcome him, then it means that you are a man who can be totally overshadowed and overwhelmed by the word of God that nothing can overcome you. There's a story in the Bible that I, I, the Holy Spirit has been visiting with me on it for so long. You know when Jesus is in, is in the boat with the disciples and, and then the, the storms are raging and instead of him waking up, he falls deeper in sleep? Let's do the David Living translation. <laughs> Let's take the disciples out of the boat for a moment. What do you think happens if the storm blows? And Jesus is sleeping, and the boat is out on the water. The word that, that Jesus said in the very beginning was, let's go to the other side. Was the weather going to stop him? In my translation, I think God does, just doesn't even wake up. He just wakes up when the boat docks. So let's put the disciples back for a moment. Their, 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 their own world that they were comfortable in as fishermen had been turned upside down. If you've been a fisherman out there, you know they, have, they had experienced some storms. You know they had experienced waves and anything going on. They had been through these things, but this one was a different one. This one had their life <laughs> in limbo for a moment. And they were so afraid for their life that they thought God didn't care about them. And the outcry comes out. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Well, if you are going to die, I'm going to die too. I'm talking about planted, not buried. Because when you're planted, you will get moments like that. And you will feel like Jesus is is planted with you, but it seems like you're the one suffocating, and instead he's leaving. They're in the same boat, and they're worried that if he doesn't do something, they are going to die. I can imagine, for me, the greatest miracle that I know I don't blame the disciples for, no, for not even a little bit. I think the miracle that is not written in the Gospels could have been, can you imagine the peace and the praise that could have been happening in the boat, knowing that Jesus was in the boat? Even at the brink of it getting filled with water. Even at the brink of it being overturned, but they're like, as long as Jesus is still in this boat, we're going to give him praise. 
Can you imagine how that story would have been? The most amazing part of the story that we celebrate the most maybe wouldn't have happened. Where the peace be still? Why do I say this? When you're planted, you're not trying to stop the stone. When you're planted, you want God to expose the potential he's put in you. When you're planted, it's not time to seek after miracles. No, it's the time to receive the miracle that has been made available through the kingdom of God. I like to say this, that the kingdom is commonwealth. Man, I'm not going to get to the end of this, and I have like a a few minutes left. (laughs) There's so much going on. There's so much going on around each individual, but the message says, the message from the king, from the Lord, the owner, of which kingdom you are a citizen, not this one, is saying that you are more than a conqueror. That you were bought by the blood, you were set apart. You've been translated, transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Which means wherever there's darkness, you are supposed to bring light. David, but my emotions can't handle it. David, my mind can't handle it. It's not supposed to. The Bible says God will give you peace that surpasses. Ephesians says, God, glory, blessed be our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So there's, there's nothing left in heaven for you. Say this with me. I have all that my father wants me to have. And I belong in the kingdom of God. His word is my will. I want to share another story as I close. There's a story in in Luke 21. Luke 21 to through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a, a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire, to hire laborers for his vineyard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump through this. He's supposed to pay them. And again, this paints the picture of what God has been doing throughout time. So this is a time in Israel where God is... is Jesus is trying to explain the kingdom so that people could understand what he's talking about. And long story short, he, get, he goes out at the very early in, in, in the morning. These are people that were either not artisans or peasants. They never did any garden work or they never did carpentry or they were not stonemasons. And so these were the, the right people because the joke was being made that if you were standing in, in, the, in the market, you, you were nothing you're looking for someone who has something. And that's the most challenging aspect of what church has become. Church has become a lot of people who are looking for God to give them something from a place that they have to earn to get what God is giving. God, I don't have healing, therefore I'm coming to church to get healing. I'll go to a church where they actually heal people. God, I'm broke. I'll go to a church that teaches wealth. 
And what God wants to teach us through this is <laughs> you come to God knowing that he's already blessed you. Whether you have little or you have much, like Pastor said this morning, if you have thankfulness and gratefulness, you are wealthier. Why? Because God has brought you this far. So these guys come to the market to stand there. It takes great faith and humility to stand in such ridicule where everybody passing by. Can you imagine the guy standing there in the 11th hour in the evening? He's about to go home with no food for his household. He's been standing here for quite some time. It's the 11th hour. It's in the evening. And it says the landowner goes back one more time. Why is the landowner going back? And you may think the landowner was this wealthy guy. Well, if, if he was wealthy, check what he was paying them for the day. It was a denarius. You got one coin. So he's giving out of his generous heart to give people work so they could go home and also be a blessing. So he's coming to this place with the little that he possessed to share with the world that needed what he possessed and for them to go back and change their world. What did Jesus do? He said, go, preach, teach, heal the sick. <laughs> the very same thing that he did, he, that he personalized, the pain that he went through and the torture that he, he said so that you and I can go and walk in these things. Why would I reach now? to check if God still heals? Why would I reach now to check if God still provides? You know where I come from, gas is $12 a gallon now. And that's on average, if you go to the higher cities, probably 15. <laughs> I was talking with my dad and then he was like, you know what, those things don't phase us when they do change. We have put our eyes on, on people and on, and on a government and on a hearts of people that have, have agendas in their hearts. And because their agendas are buried, when we embrace them, we are buried with them too. But we have a God who believes in planting, that when he wants to change a nation, he thought of you and I. When he wants to change a world, he thought of you and I. When he wanted to change an entire continent, he thought of his body. When he wanted to change an entire race of people, he thought of a person. Tell yourself for a moment that you are a world changer. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it one more time. That means there's nothing in this world that you don't even belong to that can put you under. Amen. I'll jump to the end because I want to close. This is my fourth closing. In the kingdom of God, you don't work to get wealth. Oh, prophet, it's service. 
because it comes from a place of you being already blessed. There is nothing you can give God that makes God bless you. God gave himself. That's why you're already blessed. I'll say that again. There is nothing you can give God that he hasn't already given you. There's a song where you sing back home and say, what can I give that you have not given? What do I have that is not already yours? So the principle is still the same. Psalm 22, 28 says, for the kingdom of the Lord is the Lord's and the ruler over the nation. The king is responsible in the kingdom. People are responsible in a democracy. Psalm 145 and 13 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. Greatness isn't measured by authority over others. It's in service to other people. Lord, I thank you for your word. This, If you don't mind, get up on your feet and let's pray together. Because this, this thing has been bubbling deep within me. And I know for some of you, it has, I have I've said some things that have meant something so deeply to you. And if this, is, if this has touched you, repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the gospel of the kingdom. I thank you that you planted me in this world that I may flourish. Like a tree planted by the waterside, I will flourish. You are the vine and I am the branches. The life that is in you is the life that is in me. I am more than a conqueror. I receive you in my life today. Fall afresh on me, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And I thank you that I'm a new creation. Made new in you. And I belong to you. Through your might name, Father God, I pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.